enforcer, tough guy, goon. All words that describe a hockey player whose job is to protect his star teammates and intimidate opponents. Derek Bugard was a hockey enforcer. His life and death were the subjects of an in-depth series this week in the New York Times. Bugard died this past summer from a lethal mix of alcohol and painkillers. He was just shy of his 29th birthday. The New York Times series, written by John Branch, has sparked new life into the ongoing conversation about fighting in the NHL. Bugard grew up in Canada and came up through the junior hockey system there. So we wanted to hear what folks north of the border make of his story. Bruce Dobigan is a Canadian sports writer and commentator. Bruce, is Derek Bugard's story a common one in Canada? It's all too familiar for people, in particular over the last few years, but people who've known about hockey have known this kind of story for many years. I guess the big difference is now that uh, instead of seeing these guys fade off into oblivion, they're dying. And I think that's what's really focusing people on, on the problem. And for those of us who don't know ice hockey that well, what is the job of the enforcer and why would it have led to a drug overdose? Hockey has this kind of internal uh, culture that requires every team to have its own Tony Soprano. It's it's almost like a mafia kind of thing that we can't trust the police. And so we need somebody else to uh, to make sure things are squared at the end of the day. Uh, in hockey, the, the players and the management claim they don't trust the officiating to be honest and fair. So we keep a guy around on our on our side who will uh, uh, go and and get justice when the referees don't give us justice. That's basically what Bugard was doing. He was the hired hand. He was the Tony Soprano of his hockey teams. And are are a lot of people in Canada who don't usually read the New York Times reading it for this article, this series? It's gotten a lot of attention. People have picked it up. I suspect for Times readers and American readers, a lot of it, this is new stuff. For for people in Canada who, who followed the story, it's a little bit of old news in the sense that we've been through this cultural portrait in various things. We've seen enforcers, people like this who've come to no good. Uh, we've also had we had a sexual abuse scandal within junior hockey in, in Western Canada. And many of the things that the Times piece reflects, uh, we've seen in the past that way, too. Such as what? About the internal cu- culture of hockey, the acceptance of violence, the almost omerta quality that you've got mm-hmm. in hockey about not not speaking out when you know you're put into a situation like Bugard might have been in the sense that uh, the community in hockey is bigger than everything and keep your mouth shut in spite of the fact that your life is being broken by it. When we hear details uh, in the New York Times article, for example, that Bugard's family gave him both hockey and boxing training, does that shock Canadians? A lot of these guys come from smaller communities, probably guys who uh, who are probably physical and maybe even bullies in their hometown. The encouragement of the family to to get into into the NHL. Uh, there's one fellow named Brant Mayers who was in the NHL for a number of years. Went through the rehab program five times. He was an enforcer. I remember asking him and saying, "Well, how did you get to be a, an enforcer?" He said, "My father. My father told me that the way for me to get into the NHL was to become the, to lead the Western Junior Hockey League in fights." And basically, his father drew the, the roadmap. Now, the New York Times series also discusses the fact that Bugard's brain was studied and it was found that he was suffering from CTE, that's a chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, Bugard was and he had already begun to develop signs of brain damage that might be expected from someone suffering from early dementia in mid-age. Do you think that the danger of brain injury is something that will resonate with parents of Canadian kids who want to be hockey players? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is the big story in the last five years. This has gone from being a a sports decision to being a kitchen table decision by families as to whether they want to put their kids into a sport where this is a not just a possibility, but maybe even a probability if you play at a certain level of hockey. 
the difference between hockey today and, and, and 20 years ago is the difference between cars hitting each other at 30 miles an hour and cars hitting each other at 60 miles an hour. Mm. The game is faster. Even the inadvertent stuff now is dangerous. So it has really become a subject for families to decide, is this what we want our kids to get into, both boys and girls? Bruce Dobigan is a sports commentator and author of Of Ice and Men and The Stick. Bruce, thanks a lot. Thank you. We've put a link to the New York Times three-part series about Derek Bugard punched out the life and death of a hockey enforcer. It's at theworld.org.